It's good to see you all here this Sunday morning. Welcome to Woven. Today's a special day, as uh, not just for the town hall meeting purposes, but more importantly, because today is the start of the church year. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and uh, the church calendar is a little bit different from our regular calendar. Uh, 2017 ends on December 31st, 2018, January 1st. But uh, for us as Christians, we actually march by a different rhythm, and I think that's good. And the different rhythm begins every year this Sunday, uh, the first Sunday of Advent, with a season of waiting and preparing ourselves. And looking back on 2017, well, not 2017, but the previous church year, and saying, what could I have done better? How can I uh, repair the breach What are the things that I need to revisit? And how can I be found waiting well for this new year? And so we prepare ourselves, and as we start this new year, we're going to have a brief season of liturgy. And it's not going to be like this for good. It's just going to be for the next few Sundays where we're going to be praying together. We're going to be reading Scripture together. We're going to have some response some reflections, some silence, and, um, you know, some sitting, some standing. Um, But that's what worship is about. Um, A lot of us, many times we think of worship as, I go to church to get information. I go to church to receive some knowledge or some understanding. That is really only half of the equation. The dimension of worship that many of us have lost is this other side, not just receiving But giving, and by giving, we're talking about ascribing worship unto. You know, the old timers in church, they they talk about how, you know, how come we have, you know, all these guitars and all these musical instruments and, you know, people are lifting up their hands and I just miss the good old worship service. And what they're talking about there is a sense of awe and holiness. And so liturgy allows us to get back to that place of awe and wonder and holiness as we worship God. And it's going, to be, um, it's going to be a good opportunity for us to worship as much as, as, much as we receive, to ascribe, and to give worship. Um, we're giving worship to God, but we're going to be receiving as well. And if you look in your notes, in fact, uh, it's not going to be this traditional fill-in-the-blank like I have on Sundays, but you just have three categories. Because when we worship God, when we give unto God, He gives us something in return. And oftentimes we come with that equation reverse. As I'm saying, we come to get. But as we worship God, we receive as we give. And so the three things that I've put in these categories here is, first of all, what I am grateful for. Secondly, a meditative phrase to pray continually. And third, some kind of action step or some mission or purpose for this Advent season. And so these are not right answers that I'm going to give to you. These are for your own purpose as you reflect and as you worship today. And so the order of today's service, there's going to be a brief homily followed by a hymn and then prayer and then some silence and meditation, some call out and response, and then that reversed. But I'm going to start today with a reading from Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 to 9. Isaiah 64 for a very brief, brief homily. And those words read like this. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, 
so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. Now, what is Isaiah talking about here? I'm going to give you an analogy to kind of set the stage so we understand what's being spoken. Imagine that there's two children, two small children, and one day they wake up in the morning and they find a note. And the note says, we're going away for a bit, but we'll be right back. Love, mom and dad, P.S., behave. And so the kids read that letter, and at first they're a little nervous, they're sad, they feel lonely, but then they say, okay, we got this. And the first thing they do, a little boy and a little girl, very familiar to me. The little boy says, let's go to the cereal pantry and find the sweetest thing inside there. And they go inside and then they, uh, they have this big smorgasbord, this big feast of all kinds of things that are not good for you. And then after that, the little girl says, I have an idea. Let's go make ourselves, ourselves new outfits. And so they go into the closet and then they get their clothes and they bring out a pair of shears and scissors and they make themselves new outfits with markers, permanent markers, and all kinds of things. And all kinds of chaos ensues. The, 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 the family pet gets a new costume, and all these crazy things come, come about, come to pass. And then all of a sudden, they hear the garage door begin to open. Mom and dad are back home. And then they realize that they made some poor choices. Isaiah speaks in the aftermath of Israel making a lot of choices, poor choices, knowing that perhaps God is out of the town, waiting for God to return, and longing for God to return, but in the meantime, realizing that they didn't wait very well. We just didn't wait very well. And they're in this situation where they're uh, under occupation and exile has has come to pass, uh, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, all these conquering nations, and they realize, man, not only did we not wait well, we opened the door to strangers. And strangers came into the house, and they took over. Basically, they had a house party. And things got crazy. Friends, this first reading of Isaiah today comes to us as a chastening as a remembrance of the previous years, how did we open up our houses? How did we open up our hearts to things that were not good? What were the unhealthy things that we consumed and took in? What were the things that we did, the, 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 the evil deeds that we look back on and we realize uh, maybe that's why we're in the trouble that we're in right now? And so this liturgy today is going to be a time of repentance. It's going to be a time of just reflection and looking back on the previous year and thinking about how we could wait better this year. And there's this process. I'm going to continue to read Isaiah chapter, uh, Isaiah chapter 64. I'm going to read from verses 5 to 9. As we look at this process that they undergo, it's a psychological process, the psychological process of guilt. Because in that split moment, as you hear the garage door opening, 
you hear them saying these words. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways, but you were angry and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. Because you left the house, we did all these things. Because you weren't around. And this week, um, I had a very, very busy week, and uh, I was out almost every night working. And one night, in the middle of the week, I was so tired, and I just needed to sit back and and do something that I, I haven't really done in a while. It was just play some video games. And I was playing, and then um, my son decided to get on his device, and he was on his device and playing his video games as well. And my wife said, you know, you're not supposed to be on your device this late. It's time for bed. And his response was, well, Dad's playing video games. I could too. And I said, no, 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 don't say that. You, you, don't, you don't have the right to say that. Well, it's almost like that's what they're saying here. The Israelites are saying, because you weren't around, we sinned. Because you did this, because you hid yourself, because you were angry. That's why we decided to do, no, 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 you don't have the right to say that. Don't redirect. This first step that they go through, this psychological process, when we realize we're in trouble, we blame somebody else. We blame somebody else. We say it's their fault. It's their fault. But then after that, when we realize it's not their fault, that I'm the one that's in trouble, I'm the one that's in rock bottom. Then we hear the words of verse 6. We've we've become like one unclean. All our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. I'm worthless, I'm worthless. We go through this process of of not guilt, but shame and low self-esteem. And these things, self-pity and shame, they are really... uh, they're, they're really unhealthy things. They're contaminants to our soul. Not only are they not healthy, but shame and self-pity, what that does is it avoids guilt. It's a cheap way to not really look at ourselves. And when they say, oh, we're unclean, we're like a filthy cloth, you can hear the shame oozing forth from this text. But we have to move beyond shame to genuine guilt. The difference between shame and guilt, shame says, I'm evil, I'm wrong, I'm bad. Guilt says, I've done wrong, I've done bad. And once we move from shame to guilt, we're in a better position to make right, to make right. And so we hear the words in verse 6, we fade like a leaf, our sins, our iniquities like the wind take us away. So we recognize it's our own sins that take us away. There's no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you've hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. So we know we've brought this on ourselves. But finally, guilt moves to acceptance. Guilt moves to acceptance in verse 8 and 9. Yet, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Consider, we are your people. One more story. There's a man who woke up one day and he found himself in a pit. And inside of the pit, he looked around, he blinked his eyes and he said, how in the world did I get here? How in the world did I get here? And he starts, he can't climb out and he starts to think, wait, okay, I remember the other night, the other night, Bobby took me to the pub. That's where this all went down. It's Bobby's fault. He's the one that brought me, he's the one that got me into... No, it's not Bobby's fault because last I checked, I'm the one that's in the pit. 
So I can't redirect, I can't blame. The next thing he does is he says, oh man, I'm in this pit. Again, stupid, 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 stupid. Oh, that doesn't help. Shame, self-pity, that does nothing. And finally he realizes, I'm in this pit because I have a problem. I'm here because I've made choices in my life that have ruined my own life and I can't get out. That's guilt. And a little bit of acceptance as well. Now, friends, I bring this up because in 2017, in the previous church year, what choices have we made that got us into our own trouble? Reflect on that. For this year, reflect. Am I redirecting? Have I spent the whole year saying it's her fault? It's his fault. It's their fault. It's society's fault. It's the government's fault. It's my teacher's fault. But have we not looked at ourselves? The hardest thing to do is to face our own ego in the mirror and say, maybe there is something within me that brought me into this pit. I'm sorry to kind of start off the Advent season, but there's a point. Here's the point in the connection with Advent. When the author says, God, I wish you would show yourself that you would come down and make everything right. What we're hoping for in Isaiah is this multi-layered reality. God, I'm longing for Messiah to come and save me. Friends, the world out there has no idea what Christmas is about. They have no idea. And I'm not just talking about bring Christ back into Christmas. That's not, it's more than that. The world does not understand that Christmas is not a season just of festivities. In fact, the Christmas season doesn't technically begin until December 25th. That's why you see some people, they don't set up their Christmas tree until that day. Because everything leading up to Christmas is about preparing yourself. It's about repentance. It's about looking back. It's about waiting. It's about looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying, am I ready? Am I longing? Am I waiting for Christ to return? Only Messiah can deliver us from the pit. Only Messiah can save us. Only Messiah can take us out of the hole. As we sing this next hymn, you might or you might not know it, but I call, I call on you to reflect deeply on the words that will be sung now in the bleak midwinter. Again, this service is not just to be a downer. It will end on a bright note. But to remember and to look at ourselves in the mirror and to wait well for the appearing and to long for the Messiah. And so this next hymn, Bobby is going to lead us. It's called In the Bleak Midwinter. Sing verse 1 and 2. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind. Stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow. In the bleak midwinter, Sustain heaven and earth. 
stand together for this prayer. And as your act of worship, as you give unto God, we will read together from Psalm chapter 80, verses 1 to 7. Let's read together in a loud voice. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh amongst themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. I'm going to call on you to close your eyes and remain standing. These words are heavy, but they are the words from the lectionary for this particular day of the year. There are churches the world over that are repenting with these words. And so, I'm going to read this one more time. With your eyes closed, I call on you to listen for a phrase that jumps out to you. And after I conclude, to respond in a quiet prayer. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors, our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved time of prayer. seated. This middle passage is a passage for us to meditate on. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 and 9. I'm going to call on you to read it silently to yourself for the next few minutes as Anthony scrolls through the verses and then I will read it aloud and we'll have some time of reflection on that. And so for the next few minutes, read these words quietly to yourself.
read this once through. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in Him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a key idea there. As you wait for the revealing, make sure you're not lacking. In verse 8, He will also strengthen you to the end. Therein is this principle, this doctrine even, that God can preserve you. He can keep you all the way, all the way to the end. He will preserve us so that in the end we will be blameless. Blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By Him you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. These passages call us to remember that Christmas is not just the celebration of the first coming of Christ. Christmas is anticipation also for the second coming. Christmas is preparation for the return of Christ. If we can stand one more time for this second prayer. And I call on you to make this your prayer right now, all together, Psalm chapter 80, verses 17 to 19. I will read one line, or yes, I'll read one line, and then if you could read. Actually, let me read the first verse, 17, and then I'll call on you to read verse 18, and I'll conclude with verse 19. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then he will never turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine, that we may be saved. Let's read that one more time. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand the one whom you made strong for yourself, and he will never turn back from you. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. I call on you just to take a seat and to spend some time. As you reflect, I actually invite you to reflect on the previous year. Where could we have waited better? Where could we have been more patient? Where could we have prepared ourselves better? How can we prepare better for this year? Bobby, if you can lead us in that second hymn this time.
sing um, verse 1 and verse 4 of how great thou art. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. shall come with shouts of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God My soul, my Savior God, to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee, how great Thou Our last homily comes from Mark chapter 13, verses 24 to 37. Mark chapter 13 reads this. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory And then he will send forth the angels and will gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of heaven. What we are speaking about here, what Jesus is talking about in this passage, is this vision of the return. The thing is, oftentimes we think about the earth melting and everything disappearing and everything burning up and that's it. But when we understand the vision of of a new heavens and a new earth. Understand, it doesn't say in Revelation, see, I am making all new things. That's not what it says. It says, see, I am making all things new. And there is a difference. God is not just about the business of destroying this so that He can take us away, our spirits, to another place. No, this is incorrect. God is in the business of making everything renewed. Just as Christ, in His own body, died but was resurrected, he was made new. So too are all things made new. What are we waiting for? We wait for everything to be made new again. We await the resurrection. We await the return. 
In verse 28, now, in light of all of this, in light of these great wondrous things that will happen, learn a parable from a fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that He is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows, not even angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. And what he's talking about here is readiness. Be ready. When you can see that the, the tree, the fig tree is about to bear fruit, you can anticipate what is to come. And so therefore, we watch the signs. We watch. We learn to be people that understand the ebb and the flow of things. Even here at Woven, as I've pastored this church, I've learned to watch the ebb and the flow of the life of this congregation. The rise and the fall, really after Hurricane Harvey, there has been a lot of ebbing in many communities all throughout this city. But the time comes when things come around, when, f- when fig trees ripen again. Watch. Be ready. Be prepared. And those words finally in verse 33, take heed. Keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time will come. It's like a man away on a journey who upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening, at midnight, or when the rooster comes, crows, or in the morning, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. Be on the alert. Friends, in conclusion, you may have in your lifetime participated in a candlelight service. What is the purpose of a candlelight service? What is the purpose of turning off all the lights on Christmas Eve and then having one candle and spreading that candle and filling the room, illuminating it with these candlelights? We think it creates warm and cozy, fuzzy feelings. That too. But the purpose and the analogy of a candlelight service is actually that image of the, of the, of the, uh, the virgins, the ten virgins. Five of them, and Jesus tells this parable, were not ready. The other five had lamps that were well-oiled and ready to be lit. And so in the middle of the night when the door, there was a knock... The other five virgins, they came and they said, give us oil in our lamps. Give us oil so that we also can burn, so that we can also be prepared. And the other five said, no. Why should our preparedness, why should you benefit from our preparation? The whole point being that you had those who were ready and those who were not. And so when we have a candlelight service and we light our candles, it's a symbol not just for warm, fuzzy feelings, but it's a symbol saying we're ready, we're prepared. Our candles represent those of us that are waiting, that are ready, that are prepared for the coming of the Lord. Friends, I didn't choose these verses this morning. In fact, they were chosen for us 
by the church calendar. They seem a little heavy. But the point is, have oil in your lamps. Be prepared. That's probably the most pastoral thing that I can say. If you go on living, backbiting each other, if you go on living in some of those habitual things, if you are not addressing some of those things, if you're not checking, uh, what's that saying? Check your neck up before, how, how did we say that? Uh, Get a check up from your neck up. Wasn't there a second uh, part to that too? Something about stinking thinking. Stinking thinking and get a checkup. Get rid of your stinking thinking. Right. Get a checkup from our neck up. Well, maybe this is the year that you'll finally say, I'm going to go, you know, see a therapist about this. Or this is the year I'm going to confess this problem. This is the year that I'm going to talk to the pastor and find out. This is the year that I'm going to stand up to that person in my life. This is the year that I'm going to make that relationship right. This is the year that I'm going to quit that substance. This is the year that I'm going to first finally address my financial issues. This is the year that I'm going to make the change that I've needed to make for. Friends, preparedness is what these passages call us to. Now, we don't know when the Lord will appear. That's what he says. We don't know whether it's tomorrow or whether it's Advent 2018. But the hope is that until then, we will wait well and we will not be found without oil in our lamps. Let's pray. In conclusion, I call you to respond in your own way quietly. Lord, we pray, give us oil in our lamps. Keep us burning. Keep us burning throughout the long night. Some of us uh, who weep or mourn or suffer through the night, Lord, I pray that you would give them comfort. Some who are struggling in their relationships, I pray that you would cause those, uh, those who are broken in their lives to finally hit rock bottom and to come to terms and to find find that they need help. Those of us that are in financial trouble this year, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to see what we must do differently so that we can climb out of that situation. Lord, those of us that are struggling habitually with habits, Help us to use this year to get the help that we need and to finally have the courage to make the break. Those of us that are in debt, I pray that you would give us relief and that you'd help us to climb out of it. Help us, Lord, now to no longer practice the deeds of darkness, but to come into the light. And may 2018 be the best year yet as we choose the good. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This has been a Woven Church podcast. Woven Church is a multi-ethnic missional church that meets in West Houston. 
We invite you to check us out on Sunday mornings at 10:30 a.m. To find out more, visit us online at www.wovenchurch.org. That's www.wovenchurch.org.